Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. I would love if you would help us spread the word about this podcast. We are on Apple. We are on Spotify. We're on YouTube. So please share out this stream today with anyone who loves innovation and leadership and is kind of a connoisseur of all of it. Today, my guest is Katia Acuna, and she is the change director at Local. It's actually a change marketing consultancy helping some of the world's best companies make change stick by treating their employees like an audience worth winning. I love that. She's a business transformation consultant, and she's passionate about human-centered storytelling. And so she's right at home with our crew. And over 12 years of experience, she has worked in various roles from helping nonprofits define vision, mission, and values to launching a brewery in Bogota, Colombia. That's so awesome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. Well, I want to take a moment and talk a little bit about Local. It's a change marketing consultancy. And as I was reading your bio, I was thinking, man, what is change marketing actually? Like, what does that mean for our listeners? Absolutely. It's a, a good question and one we get often. Change marketing is an innovative human-centered approach that brings together the best of change management and the best of marketing to create a new way a new process of designing change programs and doing change communication, especially when it comes to big organizations as it leverages a lot of the marketing principles. So when you think about marketing, you're often talking to a lot of people. When you think about big organizations, it's the same, often thousands of employees. And so how do you effectively communicate a change across the whole organization so people actually adopt it? That's what we focus on. Well, I love that because I think a lot about some of the larger organizations that I've worked in. And so frequently, I even think of one in particular where we were trying to make a pretty big change. And so we used the ADCAR model to make that change. And so it was super effective in helping, one, to understand the changes we were trying to make. But then what were the impacts going to be to all the employees? How do you bring people along in change? So not leaving people behind. This is probably a topic we don't talk about enough. So often we want to talk about the tool, the innovation, the thing we're launching, and nobody wants to talk. It's like the non-sexy thing. No one wants to talk about all the change that it's going to take to get this thing into the organization. Absolutely. Innovation by design, right? By definition is change. You're changing something, making something better, improving something. All of that requires change. And ADCAR, which is a, a pro-side model, is kind of the, the heart of traditional change management. So for those that are not familiar, ADCAR goes awareness, desire, knowledge, ability, reinforcement. And it's a really great framework to plan out change. The, the area where we think and see an opportunity to really even push that a little further is that ADCAR and any plan for, for change really relies on communication at the end of it, right? The whole human experience is wrapped in language. And so you can have the most beautiful product and if you don't effectively communicate, no one will buy it. And you can have the best idea, but if you don't know how to effectively communicate it, people probably won't adopt it. And when it comes to change, everything comes back down to adoption, which comes back down to people. And so that's where we believe that it's not so much about managing change as it is about marketing change. And so 
making sure that the change is very much human centered, that it really takes that people into account so that you're not selling, you know, shoes that no one wants to wear, but it's actually the product people want. Uh, but then ultimately, really, it's about marketing and getting the word out there, getting people so excited about it that they sell it, you know, that the product sells for, for itself if you're thinking about normal marketing. Yeah. That's so cool. You know, I think a lot about this phrase that I heard a long time ago and it stuck with me, which is change imposed is change opposed. And so oftentimes I think what people don't realize is they're actually hurting their leadership when they don't bring people along for the change. And so we frequently look at it from a standpoint of, you know, when you don't bring people along for the change, you sometimes can see the impact of that. And sometimes you don't see it until later. It kind of erodes your leadership from underneath. And so that is disengagement from employees because of their frustration with not being communicated to about critical changes. And it also comes in the form of, if not disengagement, them just leaving. So straight turnover. And so I think there's so many elements to change when it's done well, how you see the impact and the power of that. But you can also see the impact when it's not done well. Absolutely. We actually, I would push that even further to say that even within, the, depending on the type of culture, the type of healthy environment, like the wellness of the environment that you're in, you see change flow differently. So in a really healthy culture in which there's high trust, where leadership is engaged, where employees actually believe the communication that's coming down and trust that leaders are making the right decisions. Oftentimes we find that leaders are in fact, or any actually decision maker that's creating change. So any change practitioner, if you will, they're likely asking employees for their opinion. They're actively co-creating change and you'll see less resistance to change. You also see a faster adoption, right? If you trust that they're selling you a good idea and they have sold you a good idea before and it's worked. And there's a, a proven track record of positive influence. So why not? Why not try this one, right? That's when you see high engagement, you see high trust, you see usually high-performing teams. When you have the opposite, when it's a unhealthy culture where there's not a lot of trust, there's not a lot of flow of communication, where information is often weaponized, mm. uh, that's when you see a lot of change that tends to be imposed with an expectation that just because I say so, you should Im implement it. And that's where you see really like big kind of failures. And you can see, yeah, all sorts of failures. We see them from small projects to full tech rollouts across organizations. So it kind of depends. And sometimes you have the best of intentions, but you've, you know, failed to take enough input at the beginning when creating the change or thinking through the communication that you do end up selling, you know, a really good shoe, but a shoe that no one wants to wear. Right. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, you talked about this upfront process, almost bringing people along in the change. And so how you engage them, what you help them speak into, what they talk about and how when we don't do that, you know, typically what happens is we are tired of hearing the why because we've been dealing with the why for let's call it six to nine months. But if we wait that long to engage people, they're needing to hear the why, but in mentally we've moved on and we're ready to implement that change. And so it's interesting, you know, if you think about the fact that, hey, I want to launch something in, let's call it June of next year. That's when it should launch. Well, great. How long is it going to take you to, to do it? And then when are you going to engage everyone to even tell them what you're going to do before you do it? And I think oftentimes we think, well, once it's done, I'll tell everyone. 
but we're missing important people at the table to help us make the right decisions. We're missing bringing people along so that they feel they're part of the process and it's not just being imposed on them. We're missing so many places to actually build credibility and trust that when we skip those things, we actually do the opposite. We erode trust. And it's like you said, information becomes weaponized. Well, that's one of the most toxic environments we can be in where information is held as power instead of distributed through the organization as fast as possible so that we can all make decisions. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what we, we forget is that success is all tied to adoption and adoption is all tied to people, right? And yes, humans change all the time, but we change because we want to, not because other people are telling us to. You know, anyone that has spent any time around kids already knows this. Even, you know, even any sort of pet, like my dog reminds me of this all the time, just because I want him to do something does not mean he's going to do it. And it's the same, right? So just because you see a problem doesn't mean other people see the problem. And so as you think about a project timeline, you also have to be thinking about the change timeline. And how do I ensure people see the problem and I create awareness of the why? Why is this a problem? What are the pain points? Like who's feeling those pain points? And really get those like opinions and information Add from that upstream in the process so that then you start creating a solution that really solves for the real problems that people are feeling. There's nothing, I think, more frustrating for anyone that is at the end of the process that does feel some of the pain points and then gets a solution that doesn't even solve the real problem that they're feeling day in, day out, which often happens, right? We see a lot of problems that create a ton of symptoms across the organization. So maybe the real problem is that we don't have funding to buy new printers. But then the symptoms that we're solving for is that people are running around looking for different printers everywhere. And so maybe we're increasing efficiencies in other parts of the business. And yet here we are, we, if we had maybe spent a little more kind of discovery time at the beginning, we would have figured out that the, the, the real problem was actually way simpler to solve. And so that's what we always advocate for, just bringing employees closer in. Uh, starting with insights and insights gathering, like talking to people and really even spending, we do a lot of side visits. So we spend time on the ground with frontline employees and it's like, okay, what does the distribution center really look like? What does the operation really look like day to day? What is the, you know, overnight shift and the early shift? What does that look like? And how do they interact? And what do they think about this? And once you get those inputs, then it's a lot easier to go, okay, here's how the process needs to go. And then go back to them and say, hey, did I capture this correctly? Then it's truly employee-centered. And then it, it'll be way easier to market at the end. So what you're describing is so human-centered that I feel like it also takes humility. Like we have to enter those conversations like we don't know it all because we don't. And we have to enter those conversations like we want to hear from people because I hope, hopefully we do. And so I think it really presses on something when we think about leaders is in order to lead, you have to be willing to serve. Like leadership is serving. So we serve people well when we ask for their advice, when we ask for their opinion, when we ask for their help, and when we bring them to a table as a thinking partner. I think so often and so frequently, we do all the thinking ourselves, we do all the implementation ourselves, and then we want to kind of throw it over the wall and say, okay, go do this thing. And they're like, what is this? Why do we have it? This doesn't even make sense. This doesn't fit my needs. And so so frequently, I think that, you know, we have to be in a place of humility when it comes to leading to say, I don't know it all. I'd like to bring you to the table to help me think about these things and think about. And it's not to say that we'll always choose everyone's 
best ideas, but it is to say we need to bring all of our best ideas together so that we can make an intelligent decision. It is surprising how frequently people don't know that or just don't do that. And it feels like common sense, but it's really not common. I agree 100%. I think this is where practicing curiosity as a leader is very beneficial. And that curiosity is ultimately recognizing a gap in our knowledge about something that we're interested in. So I'm interested in this problem or I'm interested in creating a solution for something that I perceive could be better or innovating something. If I approach that without curiosity, I'm going to be making a lot of assumptions. I'm going to be saying, thinking that my perspective is the one that is right or the one that matters. And I think when you approach it with curiosity, then you acknowledge that it's likely that the person on the other side of the process or the person that inputs in the middle of the process will have different perspectives. And when you acknowledge all of that, then the result is so much better. But it does, it does require a lot of humility. It does require, it's an ongoing practice, right? It's not, I think, even when it's something that we know to be true and that we believe in, it's something yeah. that you have to actively remember on your day to day because it's so easy to walk into a conversation and for someone to say something and for your brain to go, oh, yes, I know that. And now I'm just going to either rebuttal or reply or, you know, move beyond that. But if you practice curiosity, you can push a little bit in and go, okay, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And the moment they tell you more then maybe you realize that you don't know what they were going to say after all. <laughs> and that's might be like the key to the whole program you're trying to build. I love that. You know, it's funny as we talk about change, you know, we're talking a lot about bringing people along, which I think is an important strategy of anyone's leadership when they're trying to, to create change. But I also think there's this piece that we haven't talked about yet, which is dissension and change. And so I can remember when I started at this organization, was super excited about this role I was in, was going to get to create a lot of change. And I basically had someone tell me, hey, I was here long before you. I'll outlive you, which they probably did, in terms of that role at that organization, because they'd just been there for like 20 something years. And their point was, I'll wait, I'll outweigh whatever change that you are putting in place, I'll just wait it out. And so one of the things that was difficult for me to come to grips with, but an important part, I think, of my journey was figuring out how do you get the dissenters to become fans of the change? And so Oftentimes we think, okay, we're going to get the smartest, the best, brightest, most positive people together. But sometimes change is getting the most disgruntled people together and getting them to tell you why they're so frustrated so that we can try to move to the other side of that frustration. Natalie, I think you should come work for us. That's 100% right. Yeah. We, we lean actually quite a bit into the diffusion of innovations model. So very similar to an innovation penetrating a new population or even a pandemic, right, across the world. When it comes to change and when it comes to ideas, there's likely going to be a bell curve in how the population reacts. And within that, we tend to see a group that is the believers. They tend to really believe in the change or believe that this is needed or really they could be the innovators, that they're the ones creating the idea or the change, right? So that is what we call believers. In the middle, it's a lot of the swayables. And the swayables can go either way, right? They're more looking for evidence that this is actually going to do whatever it is you're saying that it's going to do. And then at the end, we have the drains. And what happens when you have drains in a system is that you could be selling the best, most beautiful thing in the world. And they're likely still going to tell you, I don't want it because yeah. it's different from what I'm used to. Yeah. That's totally okay. What, what we've learned is that the drains are going to be 
the best source of insight. Because if you get the pain points they're feeling or the reasons why they're unwilling to really even consider the idea, then you're likely going to have all of the information that you need to be able to create a product that even they eventually will adopt. And so what you tend to see in, in change programs in a lot of our work is we'll do full-on focus groups and we'll say, we know that you're not a fan of this idea and that is okay. Tell us why not. Okay. Like, what about it you wish was different? And the moment you empower them to, to not just push against it, but really solve it. Like, okay, I hear you, but how, help me, right? Yeah. At that point, may become ambassadors at the end of it, right? Because once you co-create something, it's really hard to say it's a bad idea after all. This is how I get my children to eat vegetables. I, I actually have them make it with me. <laughs> this co-creation thing is, is really true. I mean, it's, it is hard to bash something that you were sitting at the table to help create. It's really difficult to bash it when you were sitting there helping co-create it. And so I think that's a brilliant just thought on change and how to get change into your organization. It's, again, people have to slow down to co-create. Co-creation doesn't happen overnight. It requires us getting on the same page, understanding what we're doing, why are we working on this, and then how are we going to get from A to B. It, most organizations are moving so fast that we're not taking time to co-create with the people who need to be at the table. And I think that's the most important part of change is putting the right people at the table for the right conversation. So I just wonder, like, when you guys are working with people, how are you measuring success? Like looking back on the change that was implemented, what are some of the ways that you say, hey, this change was successful? It always comes back down to adoption. Mm -hmm. And so from the get-go in any project, we're looking for a key behavior. You know, what's going to tell me that people actually adopted this change? Right. And it could be, let's say, we're just trying to disseminate information that the company is investing in a new initiative and the, the action that we're driving for the behavior could be as simple as like, okay, they have to go pick up this one t-shirt on this one day. And that's what we're going to measure, right? Mm -hmm. Or it could be a technology and it's all around like how many people log on on the first day. Or it could be like a much bigger like cultural shift and it becomes about attendance to an event. But there's always at the end, you know, our mindset can shift and it can stay in kind of the swayable space if we don't take action, right? If we don't actually move with our beliefs. And so what we try to look at is not so much, you know, did I change Natalie's mind? Yes or no? Maybe, maybe not, right? You could tell me that I did. And at the end, if you don't do what I need you to do, then it doesn't matter so much. But if I change your mind or I, I sold you the idea or the change, right? And you're willing to try it. You're willing to actually give it a chance. Then that signals actual change, right? Because at the end of it, there's two things that we always repeat. A local change is incremental. It takes time yeah. and it's small steps, right? And so I think if you keep that in mind that we learn how to walk before we learn how to run, it'll take time, but we start walking. And so if you have that signal of change, then you're making progress. And I think that's what matters is progress over yeah. perfection, probably. That's really good. You know, I also think about the fact that change can be emotional. And I think that's something we don't oftentimes account for either. And it's funny, like just over the years of leading teams, one thing I've realized is just because someone is emotional about a change doesn't mean they're not willing to change. Sometimes they have to feel the emotion of the change in order to get through to the other side. And sometimes it's, you know, there's this change curve that I love. I probably can't pronounce it because I think it's German, but 
It talks about how, you know, you go through depression and frustration. And then on the other side of that, there's experimentation and there's adoption. And then there's you become basically the advocate for that change. So I've found over the years that just because somebody is emotional about a change does not mean they're unwilling to take the journey with us. It means we need to build in more space and time for them to process their feelings on that change. Absolutely. You know, we use storytelling as one of our tools, like human-centered storytelling, and stories are all about emotion. So I would be surprised if people don't feel emotion about a change, right? We're human after all. So that emotion is one more data point in, in that gathering of information upstream of what are we trying to do. And I think part of it is determining how do people feel about this? You know, do they feel positive? And so I'm telling a positive story or are they exhausted? And, and or is there learned helplessness in the organization and they think this will be another failed initiative? And if so, how do I counter that with my communication? And how do I counter that with the actual product or the change that I'm creating? Because if I don't think about those things, then they will just sit in the emotion and the curve. And the process will just take significantly longer. And so I think even taking those as inputs and really actioning them as you think through, what do I have to do to make this change successful? It will like ensure that, that you sell a lot more of your idea or the change at the end. Okay, so you have to say more about learned helplessness. I've heard you say yeah. this. I don't know if I've ever heard that phrase before, but it's definitely intriguing to me. I'm like, what is learned helplessness? I feel like I know, but I want to hear a little bit on that. Of course, of course. So it's a psychological term and I apologize. I like sometimes throw language around and forget that not everyone lives in my world. So <laughs> there's a little bit of personal knowledge there. It comes from like psychology in that they did a few experiments and in essence, they were trying to figure out how long does it take to break someone's willingness to try to do something. And so the first ever experiment was actually with dogs, but over time they've tried it in, in organizations. And what often happens is that, you know, we adapt quickly. And so if I know that in the environment I live in, every time I try, I raise my hand, I never get cold on. Eventually I will stop raising my hand. Yeah. And even if Natalie, you come in and you say, okay, today things are going to be different. And now you can raise your hand, but I'm going to call on it. I still won't believe you. Because yeah. I have years maybe of experience or many moments in which I have learned that if I raise my hand, nothing will happen. Nothing will change. And so why, why try now, right? Why waste my energy when I already know what the outcome will be? And so what you see in organizations is that when the status quo has been the same for so long, yeah, you can come in and say, hey, things are going to be different tomorrow and it's going to be better and it's going to be awesome. And people will just nod and say, yeah, right. Because yeah. cynicism in essence has taken over. And at that point, even if they want to, like psychologically for them, it's really hard. And so what you have to do in, in a lot of times is ensure that whatever you're doing is so far away from the status quo that it actually creates hope, right? And so wow. this is where experimentation is really good or trying radical change at a non-radical scale can be really good because, you know, incremental change at a massive scale could take years. But if people don't believe you at all, they won't even take that first step, right? Like I, was, I said earlier, like I got to learn how to walk before I learn how to sprint or, or try to run a marathon. But that assumes that I'm willing to try. What if I'm no longer willing to try at all? Wow. What do you do? 
right? Yeah. I'm just going to stand here. And so in that case, it will be better for you to invite me to an experiment, a safe new place, environment in which you say, okay, like you can actually, you know, go paint the walls, go do whatever, something so different from what I'm used to that I start to actually create hope again and feel the actual ability to try new things. Wow. That to me describes so many organizations that I've, I've seen and witnessed. I've never had the language for it, but man, I feel like you just just nailed a whole kind of almost epidemic that we do have in certain organizations because, you know, I've never been able to articulate it that that easily what you said there, but that really describes kind of the crux, I think, of why change marketing is so important in terms of why the work that you and your team does is so important is because we can't underestimate the amount of times that people have been taught that their opinion doesn't matter, their voice doesn't matter, what the initiative we're doing, we're doing it regardless of you. And unfortunately, you know, you see all the carnage, right, that lays behind some of those things where we don't include people, we don't bring people along. So man, this conversation today has been so amazing. How can people follow you and how can they find out more about your organization? We're at, so visit our website. So we're at localindustries.com. We also are launching a new training product. It's called Change Marketing University. It actually goes live in November. And so if you're interested in learning more about how should I market change or how do I even get into this? What is it all about? It's kind of our intro course into think of it as change marketing 101, if you will. Uh, and that's where we're going to start creating more on-demand content to to really, you know, give people tools to to do change better and to put employees at the heart of it. And then I'm I'm on LinkedIn. That's my primary social media platform. Awesome. Well, I I've loved this conversation. This has been, if you couldn't tell, I love talking about change. I, I think it's a, something that we just under talk about in organizations. This has been such a brilliant conversation today. And I've so enjoyed meeting you, Katia, and talking to you today. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for having me and for the conversation because it was lovely. <laughs> Same here. Well, to our listeners, thank you for joining the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Remember, don't just get out of the box. Break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership. And visit our site at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more innovation resources. Today's sponsorship is brought to you by Territory Global. We work at the intersection of experience and imagination. We help you pinpoint problems and turn them into opportunities. We make imagine happen. Some of the best organizations in the world choose us as their partner to help solve their strategy, innovation, transformation, story, and ways of working problems. Learn more at Territory.co.